Have you ever heard of the promised land? Anyone? Promised land? Have you heard of the promised Messiah? If you've been in church any length of time, you, you hear the word promise quite often. God is a God of promises. He often enlisted people into his service through a promise. Abraham, if you serve me and follow me, I promise to make you a father of an entire nation of people. Noah, do what I say, build a nice boat, and I promise to save your whole family, and you get to survive. Uh, Joshua, follow my, follow my guidelines, and, and Jericho is not going to be a problem for you and, the, and my people. All throughout the scriptures, God comes to his people And he kind of makes a deal. Sometimes it's, uh, he will do certain things regardless of our response, but other times it's it's a partnership. You do this, I will do this. It's kind of a contract, and we call it a covenant agreement. The Old Testament is an old covenant, the New Testament is a new covenant. And all throughout, we have promises. So I have done, I did the research this week, and it says that uh, some people, by some count, there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. That's like 19 promises a day for a year. Honestly, though, I can't remember one conversation I have had with anybody in my life as a believer about God's promises. I can't remember sitting and talking about, so what promises are you chasing after right now? What, what promises are you asking God to fulfill in your life? Huh? How are you doing with the promises? And it's kind of sad because it's like an inheritance, right? We have this inheritance of God, and it maybe is like sitting in a bank somewhere. And if you had an, a, a, a large sum of money sitting in a bank, you know it's yours. You just ignore it, or do you say, mm, I wonder how I'm going to spend that? I'm going to go on trips. I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to invest it. I'm going to upgrade my education, whatever it is. If you had this money sitting there, you would be... Daily, trying to figure out, ooh, let's see, let's check on it. Let's see how it's doing in the savings account. We have the same kind of a inheritance from God with his promises in his word. And oftentimes it just kind of sits there. And we don't take advantage of what God has available to us. In the Old Testament, the word for promise is defined as something someone says with a future reference. It's a word that goes forth into unfilled time. So a promise reaches ahead of its speaker and its recipient to mark an appointment between them and the future. A promise is going to be filled one day in, in the future. Keep that in mind. So if you were to count, uh, think about God's promises, and we know like he's going to promise peace and his presence and Joy. What other promises come to mind? Unfortunately, the people at home can't hear your, your reply, so we're just going to move on. <clears throat> Listen to what Paul says to believers in the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Surely, as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. In other words, he's saying, we're not, we're not indecisive. We're not yes now, no later, yes, maybe no. He says we we don't waver in our response. He says, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas and Timothy and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. Here's the key. For all the promises of God in him are yes. 
and in him, amen to the glory of God through us. It's not inconceivable to think about a storehouse full of gifts and abilities and activities of God at our disposal that are gathering dust in the closet and remain unused in our lives because we never think about them. Why do we struggle with things we don't really need to struggle with? Because there's a promise for that. Why do we make decisions without the use of God's available wisdom? Because he promises to help us in our decisions. Why do we battle fears and insecurities needlessly? He's, he's promised to help us and walk through life with these, helping us in these areas. Why do we strive in areas where God has already worked on our behalf? He's, he's completed some things in our life. We don't have to be in bondage because the chains were broken when Christ and resurrection. One of the promises I think we often forget about is just so common when you see a rainbow. What a pretty rainbow. And how many of you think immediately, oh, it's a promise. It's a promise of God to never destroy the earth through a flood again. It reminds us that God is a God of promises. So there are two basic categories we can group promises in from God. One category is for our physical good to provide us with um, with food and uh, shelter, friends, protection. You might lose your job. You might be struggling to pay the bills. You might face traumatic situations or persecution or affliction, but God promises to provide for his people. One way or another, you're going to be okay because he promises to take care of you. But if we forget about that, we start stressing. We get so, so stressed about life and we forget about God. It's like, what's the point of having promises if we never bring them into our life. So I want to look at a, well, the, other two, the other part of promises is one that relates to our spiritual good. So pertaining to God himself, that he will be our God, which includes his everlasting love, his presence, his protection, pertaining to Christ as our Lord, that we would be justified and pardoned. He promises to redeem us, to forgive us, to give us a new life. We're adopted into his family. We will all be saved with an everlasting salvation. Or to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of illumination and faith and comfort and strength and assistance. We get His guidance and His power every day because God promised to send us a helper. And He did. So I'm going to look at a handful of promises just as a reminder today. And then I want to kind of wrap things up at the end and maybe bring it all together. So the first promise that I want to, I think is probably the most important promise. I'm not going to ask you to guess, but if you thought of John 3.16, you'd be right. Salvation. God promises that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That's a promise of God that you believe in him. He did it. So I was thinking about this on the, often I think about my sermon in the car on the way here. I got like half an hour just pondering the message. And it struck me, you know, the thief on the cross, next to Jesus, when they were being crucified, I mean, talk about last minute, getting into heaven, uh, one of the thief is mocking Jesus, and the other one says, shut up. It's like, he's done nothing to be on the cross. You know, uh, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. You, not so much, you know. He didn't actually say that, I'm just, kind of implied in the text. This guy didn't have to have a scripture memorized. He didn't have to actually repent of his sins or pray a prayer. He just believed. 
And that was good enough for Jesus. Too many times we want people to jump through hoops to become a Christian. You've got to do this. You've got to say it this way. Oh, you didn't say it right. You've got to say that again. You just believe in Jesus and let him come in and be the Lord and Savior of your life. And he promises you would not have eternal perishing, but you would have eternal life. The second promise, I think probably right now today we all really need is peace. If you have eternal life, then you have peace with God. You have, eternal, you have spiritual peace with the one person who matters. God is the one that really matters. You want to be at peace with him, and then everything else can kind of settle down under that. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, since we've been justified by faith, believed in Jesus, we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants his peace to be an anchor for our soul during the difficult storms of life. And one of the, the other passages in Philippians 4 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How many of you, let's say... Uh, how many of you, during the day, uh, does anxiety win over peace? And how many of you allow peace to win over anxiety? There's, there's, there is a struggle between letting God's promises come into your heart and, and letting, letting, uh, putting his promises away. It's, it's a tough balance in life to, to, to not stress when you say, okay, if I'm going to stress, then I don't believe that God is going to help. If I'm going to... St- If I'm not going to stress, then I mean I'm going to trust in God today for this day to bring what he he can help me through. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed in Isaiah 54, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. Go back and remember all the times God stepped into your life. God answered your prayers. God was there when you needed him. Same God, same power, same presence. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 11 says, Come to me. Anyone here weary? I was supposed to have like vacation time this last summer, but I just feel kind of worn out from my vacations. And it's like, now we've got the fall starting already. It's like we've got to get the kids stuff and the school supplies and we've got the, the lessons. We've got to sign up now or there's no room left. It's like <gasps> we're ramping up the anxiety and the stress and the pressure already. And it says, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. And looking for that soul rest. Not just a, an abatement of busyness. We're always going to be busy. But if your soul is at rest, if you're at peace with God, it's like, okay, we can manage this. Another promise is God's presence. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself says, goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. My dad used to say, I used to hear this quite often, wherever you go, you're bringing the full presence of God with you. Everything that God has promised to you or can do for you, 
goes with you when you walk into the department store, when you go to get gas, when you're dealing with a tough family situation. You have the full measure of the presence and power and and, uh, wisdom of God with you wherever you go. Don't think you're alone ever. His presence is always with you. We have his presence, his guidance, his direction, his wisdom because he's here continuously right now, here, tonight, next week, all month. Don't forget you're bringing God with you in every situation. Another promise is that he will support us. He will carry our burdens. Put your cares on him. It's hard to let go, isn't it? Sometimes you just want to figure it all out. Do you ever lay it awake at night trying to figure out a tough situation, a tough problem? You can't sleep. You've got to get up. You can make a cup of tea or something and go, we've got to work this out. It means you're not really kind of putting that in the hands of God, getting a rest. And really, it, when you wake up in the morning, often it's like, ah, oh, that's the answer. You have to kind of process things with God in mind that he's going to help. My God will meet all of your needs. Oops, sorry. He will cast your cares on him because he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I like that kind of God. This is an unusual God, right? We talked uh, 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 last year about an uncommon people, an uncommon God. We have uncommon. uh, Nothing about God is common. Is nothing about Him is ordinary. He also promises us victory. Have any of you ever failed? Came second? (laughs) Didn't come first? Didn't win the prize? Didn't fulfill your promise? You know, sometimes it's like you try and you try and you try. And you just keep messing up sometimes. Oh, I'll get better next time. Well, I'm going to work on that. God says that he will help us get the victory. We will... Be able to deal with those things, those called besetting sins, those things that just keep reoccurring, that we keep failing, we keep tripping, we keep stumbling over certain things. And God says, you know what, I'm going to help you. There's, there's nothing uh, that's going to come at you that everybody else isn't already dealing with. And I'm going to provide a way out that you don't have to give in to this temptation again. I, I, am, I am here to help you find success I'm not talking about every deal that you're going to make is going to be, you know, a multi-million dollar benefit. It's, we're talking about life, about the soul, about impact, about listening to what God is wanting to do in and through you. He will give you victory. He will help you not to stumble. The enemy wants to isolate you and make you feel like no one else understands what you're going through. The Bible says everybody knows what you're going through because they're just not fess- fessing up. They're not being honest necessarily that they don't struggle with the same things. Don't think that you're too special that no one understands. God sees. God knows. He also promises us forgiveness. One of the things that I, when I was looking at other gods that people have served in other countries and religions, you know, forgiveness is kind of unique. You don't have to carry guilt anymore. You don't have to carry shame anymore. It's things that you did in the past. Let them go. Let God say, I know, I was there. I saw what happened. And you know what? It's going to be okay. I can even take the worst of the worst and bring glory to myself through that. I can turn it around. 
Trust in me. Let it go. Don't be in bondage to shame and guilt from the past. That's not who you are. It's who you were. You're a new creation. You're born again. You have my presence in you to help you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wipe us clean. You might still remember something, but it has no more power over you. It's gone. It's it's part of your history. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What we're going to learn as we go along is that word in Christ Jesus is going to be very significant. And a lot of these promises are tied to that phrase, in Christ. And then we started our message about all the promises of God in Christ are yes. The promise of provision. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of, of his glory in Christ Jesus. When you feel you're in need, he's the great provider. He, he wants you to lean on him. He doesn't want you to be self-sufficient. He wants you to, to push it to the edge where you have to depend on him. And he will take care of every need, every disappointment, comfort. He will be refuge and peace. And when things seem impossible, I was talking to last week, I was down in Federal Way, Washington, speaking to a church four evenings in a row. And, uh, and I reminded them that truth is only found in Christ. When you come up with a, against a difficult situation, you've got to check with Christ to see what he has to say about it. You look like a, this is a closed door, this opportunity is gone. You've got to check with Jesus because with him, he can make all things happen. He can open doors. He can break down the barriers. He can change hearts and minds. And where you thought there wasn't a way, he becomes the way. He makes it happen because he's the truth. What you see isn't always the truth. I remember the disciples on the Sea of Galilee Jesus, this storm is going to sink us. Don't you even care? He's going, like, what storm? Like, peace, be still. And everything changed. And when you check with Jesus, even the storms can cease because he gets the last word. Another thing Jesus promises us is his return. He's coming back. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not true, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare. I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. Then I will bring you into my presence so that you will be where I am. Two promises there. One, I'm coming back. And two, I'm going to bring you to be with me. I'm, I'm setting the table. I got your room ready. Everything's in order. And I'm, when I come back, I'm going to be able to bring you. It's, going to be a, it's all going to be new. It's all going to be better. Jesus is coming back to reign on earth just like he promised. One day he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or crying or sorrow or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. And every promise ever made will be fulfilled in Jesus at that time. Another thing that uh, we need to remember is that God hears. Too many times we think that God's not listening. God, are you there? God, don't you see what's going on? God, how could you allow this to happen to me? He hears. He sees. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. It's like a sure thing. We need to find out what's on his heart and mind for us. Pray that and it will happen. He guarantees it. Know God's will. Pray according to his will and you will get it 100%. But a couple of things I want to talk about God's promises and to, to kind of wrap this, this, this up 
Back to our original verse, it says, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Christ, amen, to the glory of God through us. Galatians 3.22 says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. And Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we see the convergence of all the Old Testament and the New Testament promises converge in Christ, in him. All the promises of God are confirmed in Christ. The fulfillment of prophecy and the promises he made to his people, they all come together. If you know Jesus, you get the promises. If you don't know Jesus, you're kind of on your own. So as a Christian, you know, I think about our life, here's us over here. We're kind of living our life, and here's God and his promises over here. And sometimes we kind of bump up against the promises and we claim a couple, but what he wants to happen, he wants everything to kind of converge. He wants us to become one in Christ. He wants the life of Christ to be fulfilled in us, the, the, the uh, expression of Jesus through us, letting us have a victorious, abundant life in Jesus. The second thing as I was researching this last week that I was reminded of is that as God's people, we are children of the promise. I like that phrase. We're children of the promise. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Walk around this week thinking, I am a child of the promise. I get access to everything that God has put in place for me to have an abundant life, to, to deal with the situations. D.L. Moody says, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. How are you going to access the promises if you don't even know what they are? I didn't provide a list of 7,000 promises for you today. You're going to have to look after those yourself. Let me just challenge you to get into God's Word to start reading and looking to see what God offers His people through faith in Jesus. So every, He will fulfill every one of His promises so that the world and us will see He is true. He is just. He is love. He is never failing His people. And He gets the glory in the end because when He, he comes and says, here's what I plan to do for you. What are you, you going to do about it? And we step up in faith and we stand out we just believe that it's going to happen because he said so. And he comes through. He gets the glory. He demonstrates all over again his love for us. The third thing is that promises of God are tied. This is the hard one. <laughs> They're tied to our obedience. In other words, if we are living a disobedient life to God, just don't bother trying to get anything from him in terms of the promise. You promised you would do this. You're acting like a... No, I can't. stop treating people with contempt. Stop blowing up in anger. Stop being so selfish all the time. I've told you how to access my promises. It's not that difficult. It's kind of the same coin, two sides. Promises on one side and obedience on the other side. There's a lot of commands that Jesus gives us to be following him, to show our love for him. He says, if you love me, 
keep my commands. If my son, you know, drove my car and left it empty, and I, I was late for work because I had to go stop by the gas station uh, on the way, and uh, he left McDonald's wrappers, you know, on the floor in the back seat, and maybe a half-drunk Coke in the cup holder, and maybe he decided to go through the mud puddles and the the outside of the car was just, I mean, you could just wipe the mud off the outside and I don't know, maybe there's a scratch where there shouldn't have been or maybe there's a dent in the bumper or something and, and, he's, and, and he wants to keep borrowing my car and going, you know what? No. Like there's responsibilities here, right? Treat my car with respect and, and you're welcome to have it. But as long as you keep trashing my car and using it with disrespectfully and leaving it empty and causing me problems, like, why would I let you use my car? You're just irresponsible. And sometimes I think, you know, we have a relationship with God like a father, right? He's our heavenly father. And sometimes we are acting as his people irresponsibly. We are not, we are not acting with love towards others. We are not treating others kindly. We, we want to do whatever we want and still get the blessings. And going, yeah, in God's economy, what, I say it this way. This isn't actually in the Bible. This is the Blackaby uh, interpretation. What goes around comes around. Treat your neighbor as you want to be treated. Flip it around, you're going to be treated like you're treating your neighbor. It's kind of how it looks. The two commands that he says, this is the key. The key to accessing the promises of God. First of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Just love God. Love Jesus. Act in a way that honors him and respects him. You're unlocking the door to a whole treasure trove of promises. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. You can access more promises than you can even try to implement each day. The bottom line is if you are not living in the light of God's promises, you may be chasing after the wrong things in life too. There's an, an evangelist named Paul Washer. He says this, Why would we want fame when God promises us glory? Why would we be seeking the wealth of the world when the wealth of heaven is ours? Why would we run for a crown that will perish with time when we're called to win a crown that is imperishable? So let me wrap it up with this thought. It was at the beginning of my message. Remember that the word for promise is defined as something someone says with a future reference. It's a word that goes forth into unfilled time. It reaches ahead of its speaker and its recipient to mark an appointment between them and the future. We have an appointment with Jesus. His promise is there. You can hold on to it. I'm coming back. I'm going to come and get you. We have a promise that hasn't fulfilled, uh, that's in unfulfilled time yet. It's still to happen. And we will give an account one day when we stand before him. How did you, how did you do? How did you act towards those around you? Were you a good neighbor? Did you love those who are unlovely? Did you care for those? Were you a generous person? Did you help those in need? Did you, did you always come home and drive into your garage and shut the door and just do your own thing your own way and next day is the same, the same, the same. Just take care of yourself and your own goals and your own vision and your own family but never reached out to someone else around. We have an appointment with Jesus and we'll have to stand before him one day. He's the boss. It's his heaven. He's the Lord. 
He says, all of this is available to you if you can just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you love your neighbors yourself, you're going to have an amazing life. You can count on it. I think the Bible says yes and amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for a chance to just review, just to be reminded that you love us dearly and deeply, that you provide for your children, that we are children of the promise, that we have access to things that nobody in this world can even understand, just to know your presence with us, just to sense your peace and your joy in us, just to know that you're going to take care of us, that everything's going to be okay when we trust in you, we put our faith in you, we, we honor Christ in what we say and what we do. Father God, as we plan for this fall, another year is starting up, lots of ministries happening, lots of activities, lots of busyness, but Father, may they all bring glory to you. May we introduce many people to a God that loves them and cares for them, and may we grow in our faith in you. As we see you do amazing things around us, God, help us to know what it is you want us to do. We've got a schedule. It's filling up already for the fall. Lots of busyness and activities, but let us not plan you out of it, but put you in the middle of it. Thank you for this day. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.